0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners right here at Corhorn Financial Group. Across from me in the KFG studios, my business partner and friend, Kevin Corhorn. Between us, special guest, realtor Diane Bennett. Yes.
2: And you claim him as your friend? That's oh. right. Uh, Most days. <laughs>
0: I had to Dan, that's okay. <laughs> a thorn between two roses. Okay. Will record <laughs> Will record low mortgage rates continue to keep the housing market strong? Or will a second wave of corona cases cool it off? We welcome back to the show, Realtor and special friend of ours, Diane Bennett, to help you make great housing decisions in the midst of these big questions.
1: That's right. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can participate in every show. You can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can find us online. Submit questions right there, show.com And then all over social media, that's where we get a lot of questions on the YouTube channel, get a lot of them there. So Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you're at, we're there too. Just search The Wise Money Show, follow us there, submit questions there as well. Diane, we are grateful that you're joining us on the show today. You're always such a great guest. I, you're just It's fun to, to connect with you and... Um, it seems like the world's a little bit different right now than last time we talked in the studio.
2: <laughs> it's a little different than it, it's been a while since I've been here. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: it's very different, and and you know certainly very different. Glad you're
2: six feet away. That's
1: right. <laughs> um, very different in your industry. You've been through a lot, and yet we were talking even before we started recording just um, about some of the paradox here that we find ourselves in. So uh, we're going to talk about whether you're thinking of buying a house, and you probably are or in thinking maybe should you sell your house you're probably thinking that too we're going to talk about all that today with special guest Diane Bennett from Inspired Homes but first why why do you, we've got a global pandemic why do you think the housing market's so strong
2: it's, it's really crazy. So there's a couple of things I was telling um, telling you before we were on air that typically in Michiana, July is the slowest of the 12 months that we have. Um, not that it's a slow month. We sell all 12 months. But of the 12, it's typically the slowest. And this has been the craziest month, certainly in 2020, and the craziest July I've ever had in 15 years. Um, and we're also typically slow in an election year. Because of the uncertainty of oh who's going to make you know in the office and yeah. you know how's that going to affect my financial life so maybe I'll just wait until after the election before I make any kind of financial decision so that's kind of weird um, the low interest rates certainly is helping 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 keeping it going
1: are you talking. To buyers and sellers about interest rates, or is that sort of maybe just an undercurrent providing a fertile soil here?
2: Yeah, it's just providing fertile soil. We don't actually end up talking to them about it. They're just they just know that it's a good time to buy. They're just hearing that, and like we're seeing some things like you know city folks maybe that have been working home virtually,
1: Mm. and
2: they're going, yeah, I want to move out of the high rise from the city and buy something in more you know spread apart area like ours. Yeah, because. I can work from home and I can still do my Chicago job yeah. from Michigan. So we're seeing some that are moving over here keeping keeping the house or apartment or whatever it is that they have in the city and they're having a second residents here I mean we're seeing some of that it's kind of crazy so you know the other thing you're seeing there are some sellers that are reluctant to sell because they're like oh I don't want to have you know people come through my house you know so there's some that are fearful
1: did you get more of that earlier in the year and and you know I I remember and we we didn't chat we were both running around with our uh with our hair on fire but I mean during March and April well let's talk about what happened in Indiana versus Michigan in March and April you, the real estate was still able to function in Indiana right. a little bit.
2: Right. So Michigan was total lockdown, and I mean, we were not in Michigan even allowed to go to the house and take photos. The seller could take their photos and and send them to us digitally. We could put someone on market, um, and then if they wanted to do a virtual tour to a buyer, they could do a virtual tour. But we were not allowed to go to their home and virtually tour a client. Um, in Indiana, the the law was different, and it was. You know, if there's a financial or medical or um, some other kind of emergency and they have to move now, then fine. You guys can keep going forward with your job. You're you're a bit essential. Mm -hmm. If it's not essential right now, then no, you're not supposed to. Um, And so we could even take people in person, even during that the tightest shutdown Mm -hmm. that we had in March, April. And we Mm -hmm. could take them in person if it was an emergency. We did a whole lot more of the virtual tours, you know, FaceTime, somebody through a house and all that. that, which is great because like we've always been doing, I've been doing video tours for years, right. but um, it's different when you're actually taking them through on your phone and you're, you know, oh, well, what is that up in the corner? And you can take it close and let them see it closer. Mm-hmm. That's different than just them watching a video online. You know, it is their personal tour and, and you're there with them and, and they trust you and, you yeah. know, and they have to trust you really because, you know, they're some of them were doing it from across the country and things like that so
0: so a lot of a lot of things have changed so I'm, I'm wondering the surge in July where you say July is normally a, a kind of a quieter time is that what do you think that is due to is that is that due to pent-up demand where there was a couple months of things not really happening and now it's breaking loose? Yes. Okay. Absolutely,
2: a thousand percent. Because, like, typically our hot market starts by at least March first. We're selling things January and February in Michigan. People mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, the market starts, you know, March or April." No, it doesn't. It really starts in January, and it heats up by March first. If you're not listening till April first, you have kind of typically missed the hot time.
1: You've said that before, Diane, and that is such a benefit to you, you Wise Money fans out there. Because I would—that's not conventional thinking. I would have I. I you're the you're the first one that told me that and I find that so helpful
2: yeah it's it's really sooner than you think it is here typically and then so you know we kind of like that all shut down the ones that do typically list March 1st couldn't go up until May 1st or some of them June 1st so yes what you're seeing in the July is probably more like what we would have had you know closings in April from earlier
1: do you also think that this July surge or the summer surge pent up demand but also anticipating that a spike in cases might shut things down again and if i was planning to move or whatever i better get it done quick you think that might be part i do
2: of it? i do i know that there's a lot of people that we've spoken to that kind of think oh when it gets cold again mm-hmm. you know because the heat they feel like the heat is killing off the germ more you know, we, yep. typical flu su- flu season is in winter, not in the summertime and stuff like that. So yeah, so we definitely think that there's people that are like, I got to do this now. I'm not going to be able to do this in October and November, December, whatever. So yeah.
1: Yeah. We were talking a little bit. So, th- so th- this is very, very interesting. Oh, there's so much to hit. Um, housing market is extremely strong. And yet, whether you believe it or not, as the unemployment, the extra unemployment part of the CARES Act was running out, the Wall Street Journal and several others were doing surveys, and there was 9 million people that missed their mortgage or rent payment, and then 23 million who said, I have no idea how I'm going to pay it. You would think that's going to create some something bad is hap- is going to happen in the housing market, and yet it's still strong. So we have this polarization. We have this dichotomy where it's both really strong and potentially very weak, what are your thoughts?
2: I- it's just the, the ones that are wanting to buy are more of the entry. Le- I mean, the, the hottest market, which we're going to talk about later, I know, is the entry level. And you cannot build in the entry level. Yeah. So there's less there's less supply in the entry level. And so that's kind of part of the issue It's the entry level people. And so, you know, there's been so many that have been looking. But if they haven't found, they're still looking yeah. because, you know, this one wrote. And you know, got bid out in a bidding war in this house, and got bid out in a bidding war in this house, and got, and they're still looking, mm-hmm. and they haven't found theirs. Yeah, you know, so so that's part of it. And you can't go build a new house for one hundred fifty thousand. You can't go build no. a new house for really hardly two hundred fifty thousand.
1: Really, that that's exactly right. And with the risk out there, even yeah if you're building it's going to be you're building a a a larger more expensive home i also want to talk about diane and i were talking before we started airing about how even the closing process has changed with the coronavirus so i want to let you know whether you're jumping into a a a purchase or selling what to expect and then what things you should be doing if you're considering those things so a lot more to come here on the wise money show with corhorn financial group
0: This is Wise Money with
1: Corhorn Financial Group. The housing market in many areas has just stayed really, really hot. Will the rise in cases put a damper on that? And uh, and how's the coronavirus even change closing in the whole process to begin with? I mean, we're going to talk about that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, Kevin Corhorn and special guest, realtor with Inspired Homes, Diane Bennett, our friend. She's joining us today talking about the housing market. If you've missed anything, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, and just do me a favor. Subscribe to it and leave comments, thumbs up, all that sort of stuff. You can catch everything right there on the YouTube channel. Just search Wise Money Show. Okay, so before we get into if you're going to buy, I definitely want to talk to you buyers out there. Um, what should you expect in a closing with the coronavirus? I mean, do, do, do you do it all virtually, from you know, in your pajamas? Or yeah, do you?
2: I mean, it's going to change five minutes from now. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you what's going on now. Yeah. So like when it first shut down, um, some title companies went to curbside closings. And so you would pull up in your car, call them on the phone, tell them you were there. They would have somebody deliver in a mask, deliver your papers, and you could talk to them on the phone while you signed your papers in the car. So that's some title companies. The title companies that I preferred were doing it in the closing room like they used to. Um, they would have an iPad on the table and the closer would be in the building, but just down the hall. So like if they had to have a different page, oh, there, yep, you're right, that needs to be changed. We'll send you another one. There was a table outside the door with a little um, tray in it and they would come and reprint. Okay, now there's the new page outside, so go get that outside your door. And, you know, so that's what it was like. And the agents who by law are supposed to attend closings, we are supposed to go and and go with our our clients to make sure that they're not confused about the paperwork. We were asked to go only virtually with FaceTime or phone. Mm -hmm. And so but now, like just yesterday, I went to a closing and the closer was back in the room with us. We were all in masks, but she was back in the room with us and I was back in the room as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Don't know if it's
2: going to change again tomorrow. I mean, you know, so it's. Just don't blink.
1: <laughs> and then you already mentioned the, you know, one of the things I I have often said that Diane is such a people person. She could sell your house standing in line at Starbucks um, because she's just talking to people and loves to connect. And you've talked about I'm this green before. Yeah. So <laughs> she just loves to connect people and connect people to houses. And um, so, gosh, if you're looking for a realtor, don't even hesitate to reach out to, to Diane. But um, one of the things that... Uh, that we were talking about is virtual tours. Do you think there's more? I mean, you were on the cutting edge of this. I remember talking to you about doing video stuff years ago.
2: Yeah, so we did the video tours just to put those on out in, you know, on – virtual land, you know, on Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that. We were doing that for years. Um, But it's different when you're FaceTiming with the buyer Mm -hmm. because they're seeing the tour. You know, they're seeing the house with you at the time. Oh, wait, there's a stain over there. Can you take me closer to that? That's different. You're not going to catch that in a video tour. So uh, another new tool that we have are these 360 um, video tours. The camera company comes in and i don't even know what all they do but when you go watch it online you can like walk through the house and you can zoom in through the house and that's even without your agent the only thing is when you do a facetime with your agent you've got their their input okay have you ever seen anything like this before have you not whereas if you're just doing one of those walkthroughs where you blow up and you walk through this room and you can the tool thing the 3d tool has like measurements you can measure your furniture oh my goodness and see if your furniture is going to fit in that room.
1: So so this is where you, you look it's back really at some of, some of the most unbelievable innovation came during the Great Depression. And I wonder for realtors and Diane, for someone like you who's so busy, has, has a full team, which again, I, I will promote uh, Inspired Homes because you work as a team. If you can leverage that and you have a buyer who says, hey, I'm interested in this house. You say, well, here's a link. Check this out. And if you like what you see, then we'll go see it. Might be able to weed out and help you leverage your time and your team's time.
2: It does. It does help. And I mean, like, you know, they want to know if they're going to like the neighborhood or not. So we just even talk about like Google Walk. Go to Google Maps and, and walk the neighborhood because...
1: You can't see Love that it.
2: when you're looking at just the house. You want to see the neighborhood, too. So, you know, do that if you can take the time to drive by. But we're going to talk about how quickly houses go right now. So some of that right. you don't have time for.
0: Yeah, that's got to be an issue, isn't it? Because if you say, well, you know, go and check out these three houses and I it takes me five days to get that done, two of them are just, already sold.
2: Correct. Well, uh, you might have lost all five of them. So, I mean, yeah. really, it just depends. And so like I had a tour this week with a young buyer who um, feels like she's under so much pressure to buy and she's scared to buy that fast and she needs to be able to take the time. And I said, so then what you need to do is see several, go for weeks mm-hmm. and and go slowly and take your time and know that all you're doing is gathering homework to get used to what is it that I like. So that when you get ready, you know, yeah, then you can move fast when you're more emotionally ready. So you don't have to I mean, because there's new houses getting listed every day. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we're we listed them as fast as we can get them. We're asking for listings. If any of the viewers are yeah. thinking about selling, we want listings. Um and and you know, we'll talk about that in the next segment about yep. sellers. But um, but yeah, just because this one went away and that one went away and there's going to be another one come there'll be another one get listed and so just if you need to go slow and be patient for a while that's okay but know that that house is going to be gone and there'll be another one but that house is going to be gone so so you just have to be calm take a (laughs) lot of breaths trust your agent hire a really good agent you guys i The first time I ever met Mike, I think I met Mike before I knew, well, I knew Lori. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, you guys always talked about how Corhorn wanted to be high integrity and high skill in education. That's right. Because you can have great integrity, but not good knowledge and Mm -hmm. advise somebody poorly. Exactly. And you can have great skill and knowledge... But not high integrity and that's advise right. somebody poorly. Mm-hmm. And I that's why I love Corehorn and that's what Inspired has always wanted to be. We want to be that person that is high skill. We study, we take all our con ed and and then some the some of the agents have designations and things like that because we want to make sure that our skill levels for you mm-hmm. are absolutely up you know, top notch, can't get any better.
0: Mm-hmm. So but in a jargon free zone, con ed is the oh, continue No, continue that's okay. Ed. But they they're really it's not Con, it's continuing, continuing. education. Yeah, just <laughs> a, a little point of clarification. So, so here's what's interesting, because there's someone out there right now listening and they're saying, Diane, I am that person. I am the person who I don't want to have to move fast. But the but the mar- so the market's moving faster than I feel like I'm I'm willing to move. So if you were talking to that person right now, how would you tell them to get prepared? Because I've I've tried to coach folks that are in a situation like that. And I've said, hey, have a checklist, number one, of what's really important. And make sure that your realtor has the checklist so that they don't come to you and say, hey, well, what do you think about this? Like, no, look at the checklist. Let's work from the checklist. What else? How how else would you coach that person who says, listen, I'm one of the the slow skis and the, the market is moving just, you know, lickety split here?
2: Right. So I definitely think the checklist is huge. OK. And if you wrote the checklist, mm-hmm. don't veer from it.
1: OK. <laughs> yeah. I
2: can't tell you the number of times we'll have a buyer who says, these are the things I want. These are the things I want. These are the things I want. Mm-hmm. And we're working to find them in the things they want. And they sent us a house they saw online that does not match the checklist. OK. That's not what you said you wanted. Mm -hmm. I know but I just have to see it so sometimes we'll go ahead and take them see it and then they'll go yeah you're right I didn't really want that one you know Mm. so so you know we want to be there for you um, and and take you and walk you through the process we want to be all about you that's a big tagline for us is to be all about you and whatever it is that you need but if you're giving us your checklist then you want to follow it too
1: well there's a lot of a lot more with in a seller's market buyers need to be really prepared. And Diane, you already mentioned that you need to have a great agent who's on your team. We, we've got a few other things we need to communicate to you buyers out there. And then we're going to talk about sellers as well. In a seller's market, what's the right approach? We're going to talk about that more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Should you, if you're thinking of selling, how much, how much money do you put into your house first? Do you clean this stuff up? Do you paint this? Do you do that countertop you've always wanted to do? Diane's gonna give us that wisdom here in just a second. This is the Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn and special guest, realtor with Inspired Home serving Indiana and Michigan, Diane Bennett. If you have a question for the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us uh, online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can call or text 574-222-2000. Let me remind you, wherever you're at on social media, we are there as well. Wherever you hang out on social media, just search the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group and subscribe and like it and leave questions and follow all that fun stuff. It's a seller's market, Diane. So when you're talking to a buyer... And buyer sparkles. We talked about that. That's a little bonus content. If you're listening on the airwaves, go to YouTube, check it out. Um, buyer sparkles. In a seller's market, do you say you got to come in strong here? Your offer better be at a hundred percent full, full ask. Mm-hmm, Does it mm-hmm, higher? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh so- yeah.
2: I mean, it depends on like like you asked me before about what price points are flying and stuff like that. You know, so if you're looking from seventy-five thousand to two hundred fifty thousand, those are the ones that are flying. Okay flying off multiple offers up and over asking price.
1: Really? So you gotta come in strong.
2: Yeah, and so and so, how do you do that is a really serious question. You Talk to your lender, find out what you can do with your lender. We have great lenders that we've recommended people use before. Sometimes people come, they've already started working with lender, and that's great. I don't wanna steer them away from whoever they started working with. Um, but I know some that get the job done. Mm. So if you don't know who to go to, call us. Um, And so like the strongest offer, if somebody is able to do cash, a seller loves a cash offer. Most sellers love a cash offer because they don't have to appraise for purchase price. They can close quickly. It's a cash offer strong in a seller's mind. Yeah. Okay. Not that many buyers can do that. So the more money down they have, if it can be conventional over FHA, those are very commonly preferred by sellers, conventional because FHA has a little bit stricter um, when the appraiser comes in, they might mm-hmm. say, oh, there's some peeling paint that has to be repaired, you know, whatever. So they like those better. And um, and then what kind of contingencies? Do you have to sell a house? And is, your, is yours contingent? Like sometimes we'll have somebody that wants to sell before they buy. And so they want to go out looking for the buy before they put it on the market because they know it's going to fly off the market. Yeah. And you want to be contingent on this selling. Okay, picture this, uh, Mr. Buyer. When you're selling, is that the kind of offer you want to take? Not so much, you know. So so you're going to be better if you don't have any contingencies. When we're in bidding wars, I sold one, um, I think we closed in January, that we got it in a bidding war and said no appraisal, no inspections. We were like, oh, we could we could go over appraised price and no inspections because she had to have that house. She knew the next door neighbors. She'd been looking at this neighborhood for so long. Yeah. She wanted that house. And we had repairs after the fact. Seven thousand dollars worth of something that was wrong, which is a lot of money. Yeah. Um she fortunately was blessed to have the money to be able to take care of that, but she's still where she wanted to be. You know, so somebody's like, Why would you advise somebody to do no repairs, no inspections? If you can't afford that i would not recommend that sure for this particular woman she needed to be where some people could care for her she had you know friends that could look after her and help her navigate anything that might come up in life Mm. and so for her that was good advice so it depends on the person i'm not going to advise that for everybody but a stronger offer is going to have you know all the a good agent's going to be able to tell you what your stronger offer is period
1: speaking (laughs) of good agents so our houses Hitting the market before they hit Zillow. Like, do you, it, by the time, Kevin was talking earlier, do you do you have to make a decision really, really quickly, so so fast that, you know, by the time it's on Zillow, it might already be sold?
2: Well, so first of all, realtors that are, belong to the multiple listing service, we have an agreement with one another to cooperate with one another. So we are required to cooperate with one another. So if we have a seller that wants to sell off-market, they have to sign something that says, and quite frankly, I can probably get you more money if we go on market. Mm. If we go on market and you don't sell before you get to market, I'm probably going to be able to get you a bidding war and you're probably going to do better, okay? But you do have a few sellers that are afraid to have a whole bunch of people walking through because of COVID, you know, or whatever. I had one listing this summer that... The neighbors all knew they were moving, Mm -hmm. and it's a really hot neighborhood that sells pretty quickly, and they had people calling them Mm. before we were on market because we listed, but we weren't on market while they were doing fixing things up to sell well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to let people look at it. As soon as we get these things finished, we'll let people look on an o- off market. And so sure enough, we took an offer off market and we're like, you're off market. You better make that pretty strong. Cause if we go on market, they can probably get a bidding war, and better be like no repairs and things like that. And so they wanted to go ahead and do that because they're like, yeah, let's get it done. Um, one seller that we had that took an off market, Offer it was all about not wanting COVID people coming through the house. Wow, you know. But if a seller wants to do that, mm-hmm. there's a document that came down from um, National Association of Realtors (NAR) that's that they have to sign and says, "I realize that I'm missing out on thousands of viewers and thousands of agents and you know whatever, and I understand this and that's what I want to do because they don't want some agent with low integrity." Trying to hey, I've got my own buyer. I want to double dip this deal, right? You know, so they're trying to make sure that the agents are really cooperating. So that's why they require that we have the seller sign this. But why wouldn't we want our sellers to make the most money? That's what we're we're in business for our clients, not for Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And so you know, anyway. Mm. So yeah, Uh,
1: one of there are several inflection points in the real estate process where you better be working with your certified financial planner. And one of one of them right here, before we transition into sellers with a with a seller's market, buyers need to figure out, do you buy before you sell? Do you go risk on with real estate? Because Kevin and I, I remember one in particular, an individual in 06, 07, they were looking for their dream house and they lived in a more rural community. And they but the dream house, dream house. We've loved this house, love this house. Okay. We bought this, this house. Cause it was our dream house. We couldn't imagine any other house. That's the one bought it and then got caught on the fence and could not sell their existing mm-hmm. house. So I, I'm not foreshadowing here. I just think if you're moving voluntarily and you're wanting to upgrade, you're wanting to upgrade for certain reasons is now the time you buy before you sell. If that's the case, you better be talking to your certified financial planner and they better be in good collaboration communication with your realtor as well.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Be- because
1: if you're voli- if you're choosing to buy, you better be buying something in particular and if you don't go grab that first, it might not be there as soon as
2: So I have one client that's looking to do that and they have um they're not in a financial position to Pay cash or buy a second house themselves, but mm-hmm. they have friends who are wow. and who are willing to fund them. So the friend will buy the house, and then they'll go sell theirs.
1: Oh my goodness! Which
2: is crazy. That is crazy. That they're blessed. I that want friends. I want
1: no friends kidding, like that. Hey, if you're one of those friends. Give so me a call. Call well, us up.
0: Well, then I was talking to a client last night, yesterday, and no, they know. Hey, we're going to be moving. They have a mortgage that they want to pay down or pay off, and, and, but they're not quite ready to pay it off. And so I said, look, you ha- one of the tools that needs to be in your toolbox is a good-sized home equity line. Mm. Because you can put uh, a, home, a home equity line on your current house, use some of that equity to, as the downstroke
1: on the next house, and then sell. So we've been talking a lot. This is seller's market, seller's market, seller's market. We've first started with buyers. Well, we're going to talk about sellers and in particular, how much how much updating do you need to do even in a seller's market to sell the house? And Diane and I coincidentally live in the same neighborhood and I can think of a couple examples. We're going to talk about that to help you sellers next coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is
1: brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Selling your house, how much updating do you do if you're buying a house and you've found a repair that's needed during the inspection, how much leverage do you have to negotiate? Oh my goodness, good stuff. We're talking about it right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, and our special guest today, real estate expert from Inspired Homes, serving Indiana and Michigan, our own, very own Diane Bennett. We're so glad to have you here. And I'm pumped up because of what you just shared. We're gonna transition to sellers right now. And if you're selling your house, okay, so just around the corner from where I live, there's a house that is not updated at all. And I don't even know who they're, and I know the family very well. And they've, you know, had a little different lifestyle, but they're great people. They haven't updated the house, and the house is just sitting and sitting even the, and sitting even and the sitting. landscape It's just terrible. Uh, in my opinion, sorry, I'm not no offense. Um, but then down the road on the other side of the big circle from you, there's a house that very was was immaculate updated. The bathroom in this master bedroom looks right, unbelievable, right, right. and it sold so quickly. In hours. So how do you decide as a seller how much updating you do? And then as a buyer, when you go to, okay, I want this house, and you do an inspection, do you have any leverage when, when, uh, when repairs come back? So let's talk about that balance there, Diane.
2: So... Let's do the buyers first, okay? okay? So when a buyer's already made an offer on a home and they have done their inspection process and they bought it in a bidding war and they were crazy about it, this is the one, this is the one, because they just had to move fast or whatever. And then sometimes the repairs scare them off. But the problem is, first of all, in Indiana, you have to give the seller an opportunity to make repairs that are satisfactory to you. Now, sometimes some sellers don't want to because they're like, "Eh, I'll just go back on market and get another buyer. Hmm. So that's kind of a thing. And um, so you just have to decide, do I want to buy this one and make these repairs myself later or not? You know, whatever. Or do I want to go find another house? Well, the thing is, you go buy another house. These are not brand new construction homes we're talking. We're talking homes that have been lived in and you know you buy a used something and there's something wrong with it you buy a new construction house
1: something's <laughs> mm-hmm. going to break that's what most eventually. people do. yeah
2: you know things break they don't, they don't stay perfect forever you drive your car it's not perfect all the time you have to put oil in it you have to you know yeah. so things get used and break and they have to be repaired so so you know don't be as a buyer necessarily scared off by the repairs go into it with your eyes wide open. How much are these repairs going to cost me to, you know, is it, is it overwhelming? Are there too many repairs to be done? That's, you know, one question. So then when you go to the seller side, so I want to get sold. I want to sell in a bidding war. Okay. You want to sell in a bidding war. Let's talk about what things, you know, sell the house, kitchens and baths. Absolutely. Kitchens, baths, always new flooring, paint job, new light fixtures, maybe new hardware, You know, those are the things that, that are, well, you know what? I went into one with somebody two days ago that the kitchens and baths were done and they looked great. The landscape was awful and there were other repairs needed to the naked eye in the house. So it was great that they did do the kitchens and baths, but they didn't do everything. So it's not jumping off market. You know, if you want to do, if you want to fly off market, do, do it all, spend the money, do it all, but talk to your wise agent knowing, you know, how much how much is the top I'm going to get back? Mm. You know, and am I willing to put in this money to get that back or do I, am I you know the ones that are flying off the market compared to their comparables, they're the most updated and the best priced. I mean, you can be priced kind of average. And if there's too many repairs to be done, too many updates to be done, buyers are not really interested in it
1: if if I you know I don't I, houses are extremely emotional. And, um, and so you need to be, you need to be careful, but I, you know, so our neighborhood 20, 25 years old now. And, uh, you know, the houses that, Still have the brass finishes, they're not moving as quickly, which right? is
2: funny because brass is coming back in. Is it really? They keep telling me, of
1: course. Me. Well, who, who knows? Okay, but let, those
2: are still the dated brass ones, even if brass yeah. is coming back in, there's it's something new about it. It yeah. looks newer, you
1: know. It's a conspiracy, <laughs> it is
0: totally a conspiracy.
1: So, it's like
2: fashion changes, you know. I <laughs> they have to sell.
1: I, I think, uh, even yeah, so you said, um, sellers like a cash offer, um. Yeah. For those, you know, but those are rare. Are the houses appraising? Are, can they appraise when you're getting a mortgage? They, the house has to appraise. Yeah, I don't this is the crazy thing. <laughs> hey, I negotiated this price. Well, the bank needs to come in and make sure that's the right price. I to me, that I, feels a little um, overbearing, but anyway, are houses appraising even though they're rising in value?
2: So, some yes and some no. Mm. And and that's a really hard question because the bank wants to make sure that it appraises. And pre two thousand eight, a house was worth whatever any willing, able, uh, you know, ready buyer would pay for it. Which and the pra- still, it just appraised for whatever.
1: I still believe if you look in Webster's dictionary, that is the that's that's market value. That that's is the, the market value. value. Okay. <laughs> okay.
2: However, um, because of two thousand eight appraisers have restrictions on them. Mm -hmm. They have to show, it's the craziest thing to me, they have to provide comparable sales that show why the value is what the value is. They can't just appraise it at whatever the, I mean, like, you know, we would get a cut appraisal and I'd say, I have eight offers. Two of them were this high. Third one was just a little under. Why is this not appraising here? You know, whatever, these are what the buyers are saying. And, you know, the appraiser's like, "I I gotta support it. I'm going to lose my license and my livelihood if I don't support it with past sales. So that's a hard thing. That was a few years ago that they might, well, now the buyers are like, I know, I got to pay over it. So the buyers are now willing to pay over if it doesn't appraise to a certain extent, which is helping the increase. Because before, when it was happening you know, three years ago, I was like... Well, how are the values ever going to increase if you're only doing what's sold? Mm -hmm. Well, now, because buyers want them so much, they are willing to pay if it doesn't appraise. Pay
1: cash or come up with other financing. They have to,
2: yeah, they have to figure it out. They'll have to get gift funds or whatever to to pay a little over. So like we had one this week that was cut $30,000. Oh, my goodness. $30,000 for a $210,000 house is a lot of money cut and so but she couldn't find comps we sent her comps she's like nope i can't use that one because i can't use that one because i can't use that one because she's worried about her license you know she's trying to support it or whatever so this seller did come down some and the buyer came up some so that the deal stayed together and they didn't go back on market because the seller's like i'll go back on market and get another buyer but they also were already under contract with their purchase that they wanted, and they kind of, they were willing to come down a little bit if they could stay in, in their deal of the, of the house they wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. So...
1: I wonder, I, I wondered about comps before coming in, thinking about what we were going to talk about today. I wondered with the basically two months where the real estate activity was, uh, let's just say, either stopped or very low. Um, are there comps enough? I mean...
2: Yeah, because we typically go six months back. Oh, okay. So you have a six-month spread. And and I like to look even more back if it's like yesterday, we were looking at a, a higher-priced home in a neighborhood where there's some higher-priced and some lower-priced. Mm-hmm. And um, the recent, even 12 months back, didn't have any of the big homes. So I went just yeah. to look at it five years back just to see. I mean, that's not what an appraiser is going to use, and my buyer needs to know that. Mm. But I want to see, but but what? where did the big houses go? You know, so how does this compare to the big houses? Yes, it needs to compare in the area itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I didn't go back out wider, but an appraiser when it's, you know, that kind of neighborhood, an appraiser can go out wider. I didn't go there yet because we just were looking at, you know, we haven't written an offer, Mm
1: -hmm. so. Got it. So also with when you're selling, um, you know, one one of the questions is, well, how long should I expect My, you know, we all, again, houses are emotional. And so if you've known that yeah, I've got to do some things, the house isn't perfect. I probably need some repairs, but then you're ready to list. We talked a little bit about, well, if you, if you might want to move later this year, you might try and do it now before there's a second wave or whatever, if the house isn't in pristine condition and you list, are you, how long should people expect to be on market? I know that's a broad question, but can you answer?
2: Right. so if, if you listen to your agent and you priced where your agent recommended you price for the condition in which you find yourself and you didn't want to improve any more than that, you should you should be off in at least a couple of weeks. I mean really because when you're really priced right and staged right and updated correctly, you're not lasting three days. Wow oh. you know in in, in like maybe 75,000 to like 250. Okay. Over a little higher than that, you know, to 325, a little higher than that to 500, a little higher than, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's kind of brackets of where you know the market goes because the the higher they can go build. Yeah. So if it's a more expensive home, they could go build exactly what they want instead of taking years and doing your
1: 25-year-old updates. Which is so interesting. I thought for a long time there's no more building in St. Joe County.
2: Oh, and there's, there's
1: lots tons. of buildings. There's tons. <laughs> I thought that up until 2012, 2013, and then it's like, oh, you can put a house back there. Oh, there's these little one street neighborhoods are popping up all over the place. Right. So I think you're right. We
2: have great builders in town. Oh yeah. There's some really good builders around.
1: Um, do you? What What would you tell someone right now who's listening and thinking about a house change, thinking about selling, but you know, is nervous? What, what would you tell him?
2: So I have one seller that is planning to sell now because he knows he can, and he is planning to live for six months in an apartment. He's just planning on it. If you are able to do that kind of transition, and you don't have to go from house to house, and you don't mind putting things in storage and staying somewhere temporarily, that's a great plan.
1: Mm-hmm. If you can do that, if you're if you're okay moving twice,
2: if you don't mind moving twice, that's a great great plan. <laughs> um, depending on where you're at, if you can buy first and what you have to sell, talk to your wise agent about whether you can sell. Um, you know whether yours looks like one that's going to sell quickly or not. And you can buy first. Great. That's great. And then you can have just one move. But if you're not in a position to do that or what you have to sell is not one of the high demand things that are so sought after, mm-hmm. then plan to move twice. Do the do the transition move. It's a wise, careful way to, to be with your money. Your financial planner would love you for it.
1: Mm-hmm you know it's less risk and yeah. it's and it's you know
2: you've got more time you could go ahead and build then yeah. you have time to build instead of just you know buying what's out there or you can buy one of the existing homes that does need updates that the seller was not in a position or um you know emotionally or financially to to do updates so you buy that for less update it while you're still in your apartment or wherever your transition home is yeah so that's a great way to do it
1: Diane, we've so appreciated having you on the show. I, I can't think of a, a well, I mean, other than the real estate crisis, w- this feels like a little mini crisis right now with real estate. And, and if I can just mention again, that if you're considering a housing move, you've got to have a competent real estate agent who's got the right integrity and character, but has the right competence and skill. And then of course, you know, making a, making a, Housing decision for most people, your house is your most valuable asset. You've got to be working with your certified financial planner to know how much house you can afford, what whether you do 15 year or 30 year on the mortgage, how much improvement, how much improvement can you do on the house you're trying to sell or the house that you want to buy, all those things. So this is uh this has been really helpful. Thanks, Diane, for being on. All right. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Diane Bennett, and all of us at corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities, Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.